It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN. Thank you so much for joining us here on this. Uh, this is a Wednesday that has sun out, some clear skies. going to be actually a very nice, albeit windy day, but it is spring, and that's what we do during the spring around here. Uh, we got lots of information for you about the stuff coming up in the next couple hours. Jason Jorgensen's here, Bob Brogan's here, and Susan Littlefield is with us. Good morning, Susan. Well, good morning. Here we go. Now, okay, we always kind of talk about this, but you've got sunshine there today, right? I do have sunshine. Okay. It is absolutely gorgeous, yes. but it is windy. It but is. That's to be expected. It's springtime in Nebraska. We're going to have wind, and of course, usually when we have a good day, that means it's going to be followed by a bad day, and that's what we're going to get tomorrow. So, yeah. I know. Yeah. Go right. figure. Go figure. What do you got for us? Well, we're going to kick it all off here at 1219. Shaley is going to bring us an interview with Carla Wilkie. Then at 1245, you know, it's a busy day for colleges. Today is the day of uh, room selection. But if you haven't made that decision, you can go to UNL and do a virtual college tour for those transitioning students or students that are going from high school to college. We'll find out more with Bryce and the vice chancellor in that regard. And then I'll wrap it up at 117 as we talk with Mike Zuzalo. There is um, the port in Georgia. Georgia that is now going to be closing their port on the weekends. We're going to find out what that's going to mean for grain movement, not only here in the U.S., but globally. Boy, shipping and movement has definitely changed a lot, talking to a lot of folks, so a lot of delays out there for sure. Very much so. Okay. Thank you, Susan. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Turn it over to Jason Jorgensen. New uh, new playoff plan for the NFL. That's right. More teams will make the playoffs. They will add two more wild card squads. That also means that only the top seed in each league now gets a bye. Okay. Of course, for a while now, it's been the top right. two received yep. a bye. Now, just the top. Also, in all of this discussion, it will create playoff triple headers in mm. that first weekend. Both CBS and NBC get a game those are those are really fun those weekends are really fun for sure of course this all happens if there is a season and folks continue to look forward hopefully things have improved by then also we'll, we will tell you about the nebraska uh, hall of fame of the university sports hall of fame terry Pettitive is one of those who will be going in mm. i guess i was kind of surprised he wasn't already yeah, no in. kidding What's it uh, take? He quit coaching in 1999 but they get around to getting coach uh, pettit in there he led nebraska uh, to the 1995 national championship and really got things started with the program. And John Cook is just taking it to another level. Yeah, Bob. De- he's a, it was a Bob Devaney of the volleyball for sure, and uh, good speaker too. Not bad speaker. Yep. I don't know if you've heard him talk or not. He's good. Interesting guy. Yeah, he really is. Really is. Thank you very much, Jason. Let's turn it over to Bob Brogan and Bob uh, stocks uh, down a little bit today. Just a little bit, as more signs pile up of the uh, pain being caused by the coronavirus outbreak. Uh, Also, a private survey finds the U.S. companies uh, let go of 27,000 jobs in March. That's not not good news. Spending on construction projects fell 1.3% in February, with housing and non-residential construction both showing weakness. And uh, also, it's the first of the month, and rent is due for millions of Americans, and 
we uh, we're, we understand that a lot of uh, state gov- state and local governments have stopped evictions to give uh, time for unemployment benefits. Okay, we'll see how that all works out. That's all coming up on Minton. KRVN 93.1 The River and Cami announce a new resource on KRVN.com. The Love Local Business and Services Guide. Let's focus on what we can do. Listed are new hours, pickup and delivery options. Also special services and community events. Please keep limiting group contact while still supporting these local businesses, churches, and service organizations. Help us keep money where our hearts are. Love Local at KRVN.com. If you'd like to be included, email lovelocal at krvn.com. Time for us to check in on our weather. This is brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your Ranky dealer. And I uh, want to see what's going on around here, how it affects agriculture for us and around the world. Just an absolutely, Paul Perkins in here, by the way, just an absolutely, uh, well, okay, I'm not going to say <laughs> gorgeous because that wind is blowing, but uh, for spring, it's pretty good. But as I was talking to Susan, a couple things that you can expect for the most part about a nice day in spring. The wind's going to blow, and it's going to be followed by a bad day. Yes, and here comes the bad part tomorrow. Our um, <clears throat> excuse me, our April Fool's Day joke is going to arrive a day late from Mother's uh, from Mother Nature for tomorrow. Uh, today, no fooling with these nice temperatures. Mm-hmm. Currently in the upper fifties to low sixties, pretty much region wide, as warm as the mid sixties towards Hebron and Beatrice right now, and also parts of eastern Kansas. But some stuff is looming off to our northwest. We're already seeing a little bit of uh-huh. precipitation huh, up in the northern panhandle. Yes, yeah, so. a little bit of light rain towards Shadron and Scotts Bluff, probably towards the Gordian area. That will be gradually sliding to the southeast, but it's a system that will be gradually and very slowly moving into our area. But we're lucky because the main brunt of the system is going to be moving through the northern plains. Uh, they've got already winter storm warnings posted for the Black Hills, winter weather advisory in much of the uh, South Dakota region, and then in the eastern Dakota as we have winter storm watches posted with this system as it gets a little bit stronger. But once again, the main brunt of it tracking across the northern plains, we're just going to get sideswiped by it, basically. March and April is flip a coin every day. Right. <laughs> exactly, because <laughs> yeah, today we are looking at temperatures 15 degrees above normal. Tomorrow, it'll probably be 15 degrees below normal on our temperatures. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Good. But for today, we're going to enjoy what... We're going to get with this weather ahead of a cold front. Temperatures about, once again, 15 degrees above normal with clouds starting to mix with our sunshine. With that cold front's passage, slowly tracking to the south tonight. Chances for rain and drizzle will increase slightly for tonight. Just some mainly small chances of rain and maybe a little bit of a wintry mix in western areas. Any amounts expected to be on the light side. We'll see more cold air mix in for tomorrow. Most of our daytime highs expected to be reached early in the day. Then steady or slowly falling temperatures through the day tomorrow. By tomorrow night, that's when we're going to get the main brand of the system. A wintry mix of snow, sleet, and freeze and drizzle is likely across the region. Any snow accumulations expected to be on the light side to less than an inch. With soil temperatures in the 40s, many of the ground level surfaces, like a highway, street, or sidewalk, not expected to be overly slick. But those elevated surfaces, such as a bridge or an overpass, could be very slick by Friday morning as temperatures drop into the 20s. And also by Friday morning, looking at wind chills into the teens. Friday through Saturday look to be mainly dry. We'll see some small chances of mainly rain return for Sunday night. Make that Saturday night into Sunday night with some passing disturbances. Temperatures will be slightly cooler than normal for Saturday. Then we'll warm back up to about 15 degrees above normal by Tuesday. 
In our long-term forecast, warmer than normal temperatures are likely for Nebraska and Kansas at least the early half of next week. Temperatures now expected to trend seasonal to slightly cooler than normal late next week through April 14th. Near normal to slightly above normal precipitation in the forecast for Monday through the 14th for both Nebraska and Kansas. Soil temperatures four inches down at seven this morning for the Nebraska Panhandle in the upper 30s. If you're along the northwest of a line from Columbus to Kearney and McCook, soil temperatures in the low 40s. All other soil temperatures in central and east Nebraska into nearly all of Kansas in the mid to upper 40s. Key weather factors affecting the markets include late week storms over the central U.S. and limited rain over central Brazil. A developing storm across the northern plains will result in unsettled weather across the north central U.S. and draw more cold air southward across the plains. Next couple of days, significant snow accumulations may occur across parts of the northern plains. Liquid precipitation totals up to 1 to 2 inches may fall from the eastern Dakotas into the upper Mississippi Valley to aggravate flooding. Cold air after that storm's passage should result in late-week freezes, especially by Saturday morning as far south as the Texas northern panhandle. That storm and cold expected to keep the soil saturated with a delayed start to spring fieldwork looming throughout the plains and the Midwest. Eastern wheat areas of the Southern Plains will have moderate to locally heavy rain through the end of the week. The western areas of the Southern Plains are expected to be mostly dry with no more than very light rain. In Brazil's crop areas, isolated rain is expected today with a better chance of widespread coverage for tomorrow and Friday from a system moving in from Argentina. Rainfall expected to be mostly below normal, though, in Brazil. Central Brazil crop areas may incur stress to their second crop corn from limited moisture. All right. Well, uh, I guess we'll see, you know, what we end up with, but uh, it's just not going to be very nice. Outside. Exactly. Yeah. That. Tomorrow and Friday looking to be kind of nasty with temperatures mm-hmm. in the 40s and you know, about 15 degrees below normal for this time of year. Some breezy north winds kicking in tomorrow. Some off and on small chances of moisture. Not going to be a whole big event and it's not going to be uh, raining or snowing all the time, but maybe a little bit of a driving issue to worry about on Friday morning. But Luckily, these ground surfaces and surface temperatures are fairly mild this yeah, time of year. That's really the key right now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Very good. Thank you. Where do you go to check in on your weather, Paul? Weather tab, krvn.com. District. Options for producers who may be facing a distiller's grains shortage. I'm Shaley Peters. Joining you now on the Rural Radio Network, our guest today to visit about this is Carla Wilkie. She is on from time to time here on the Rural Radio Network. So thanks for joining us again today, Carla. Uh, you are with the UNL Cowcast Systems and Stalker Management Program, and we're going to talk about some of the options or alternatives producers have as they face, they may be currently facing it or will down the road, this distiller's grains shortage. Let's jump right into it. You talk first about uh, feeding cows for a slower rate of gain or even providing a nitrogen source. So unfortunately, with all the uncertainty in the world right now, we've also seen a downturn in the cattle market. And so many producers who were feeding cattle at, say, a growing ration at three pounds per day gain target um, are considering backing those cattle down to one and a half pounds a day gain uh, to kind of slow their gain and, and try to ride out this market downturn. The upside of doing that in the distiller's grain shortage is that it does not take as much energy and protein to get one and a half pounds a day gain as it does 
free, and it doesn't take near the metabolizable protein to get a growing calf to do that. So um, we can get by um, with some other feed sources. I think the example I used in the article was some corn silage and some alfalfa and some corn and some millet and you know hay millet and, and just trying to put together something that um, gets them by. So that's, that's an option. And another option is that for the mature cow, just a nitrogen source a lot of times um, is enough to meet her protein needs. And we can really do that easily in a pregnant cow that's not up against lactation. Um, we've just always historically been using distiller's grains because it's been a very economical protein source. But we don't necessarily have to feed that pregnant beef cow that type of, of protein. So alfalfa hay might be okay for her. Um, a urea-based supplement, it would probably meet her needs. Obviously, this is something we're in the middle of right now. We Nobody has experienced this before. We're not sure of the longevity of it. So another thing that you had mentioned ahead of time I want to bring up now, is there anything that producers should be considering now if this were to go into effect long term? Are there things or options they should be looking at if this would continue on uh, further down the road? Yes, there. You know, another group of cows that's of some concern is um, those producers that have cows and, and they don't have a lot of grass resources for those cows. So what they do a lot of times is use distillers grains and crop residues or poor quality forages. Mix quite a bit of distillers in that gets those cows to eat that really well, and they put those cows in some form of a dry lot situation in the summer. The shortage of distillers grains could ha- could impact their ability to do that. I hope that we are not still in a distillers grain shortage come summer. However, to to plan for what you're going to do then probably requires making a decision right now because one of the options that we could think about is planting some small grains pastures of some sort, so forage oats or forage wheat or something like that, that we maybe could graze or that we could make silage out of. That would, you know, putting a wet silage with poor quality hay usually increases that consumption a little better and adds to that quality. So those are unfortunately decisions that need to be made now with the assumption that we're going to be short when we don't know if we will be or not. Thanks so much, Carla. Carla Wilkie, UNL Cow-Calf Systems and Stocker Management Specialist. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Time for sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, NFL team owners have voted to expand the playoffs by one team in each conference for next season, if there is one. During a conference call yesterday, the owners also awarded one of those extra games to CBS and one to NBC. Now, only the teams with the best record in the AFC and NFC will now get a buy under the new format. The top two teams got to skip the wildcard weekend in the past. Former Nebraska football assistant Sean Watson and Joe Gans will now be coaching together again. Yesterday, Northern Iowa announced those two were joining that coaching staff. Watson will coach the quarterbacks, while Gans will coach receivers. Five distinguished student-athletes and one legendary head coach make up this year's Nebraska Athletic Hall of Fame class, who will be announced individually over the next three weeks. 
First announced member of this year's class is Terry Pettit, who coached the Nebraska volleyball program for 23 seasons from 1977 through 1999. In his 23-year career, Pettit led Nebraska to 21 conference titles and the 1995 National Championship. He was a two-time national and nine-time conference coach of the year. There is still hope that Omaha will still get a host U.S. swim trials next summer. U.S. Swimming this week emailed ticket holders that it is finalizing the selection dates for the event, which was scheduled to take place this summer in Omaha. That message was also posted on its website yesterday. Omaha has hosted the last three U.S. trials at the CHI Health Center. Well, the NCAA's popular decision to extend spring sports athletes' eligibility by a year because of the coronavirus outbreak is causing some issues for baseball coaches. Baseball is the only spring sport with a roster limit. Teams can have no more than 35 players, though the rule will be relaxed for next year. The problem will come in 2022. Looming roster log jams because of the extended eligibility could force coaches to sign smaller recruiting classes and nudge underperforming players to transfer or quit. Husker senior Joe Acker says it is nice to know, however, he will have a chance to play again if he chooses. With the possible football season being canceled, some administrations are worrying a little bit that maybe all age groups won't get their year back. So that was kind of a change the last few days. But for the most part, we thought we were going to get the year back. And obviously after the ruling, it was good news. But um, there wasn't a whole lot of clarity on the financial side of it. And hopefully we get more information moving forward on that piece. Acker is one of seven seniors on the Nebraska roster, including Ty Roseberry and Garrett Stroh of Kearney. He was a guest last night on Sports Nightly in the Husker Sports Network. That's a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. A man apprehended after fleeing custody in Broken Bow Monday has been charged in Custer County Court. Juan Colome, a 27-year-old man from Valentine, faces charges of first-degree assault and robbery. No arraignment date was immediately set, but he is being held in the Custer County Jail on a $1 million bond. He could be released if 10% of that amount is posted. It occurred around 11.30 a.m. Monday as Midwest Services van stopped at a Broken Bow convenience store. According to the Broken Bow Police Department report, Cologne got out of his restraints and assaulted the van driver. Cologne got in the driver's seat and the van driver attempted to get Cologne through the open door. Cologne then put the van in reverse and accelerated rapidly, knocking the van driver to the ground and the open door rolling over him. The report says the van driver was knocked unconscious. The driver was taken to a Broken Bow hospital and then flown by medical helicopter to Kearney. Broken Bow police have not released the identity of the van driver, but KRVN News has learned the van driver is in critical condition at CHI Health Good Samaritan. Cologne backed the van into a light pole and then sped across a parking lot, down an embankment, and became stuck in the mud. Cologne then fled on foot to a grocery store parking lot where he had contact with an employee, took the employee's keys, and attempted to flee in the employee's vehicle when he was confronted and apprehended by officers with the Broken Bow Police Department, Custer County Sheriff's Office, and Nebraska State Patrol. Cologne was being transported at the time from the Nebraska Department of Corrections in Lincoln to Valentine for a court appearance. He was scheduled for a hearing Monday afternoon in the Cherry County Court. Cologne is wanted in Jones County, South Dakota, on charges of burglary and damage to private property. Valentine Police Department had executed search warrants of a Valentine residence earlier in March and recovered items connected to the South Dakota case. 
The state says a Buffalo County man has died of COVID-19, the fourth confirmed coronavirus death of a Nebraska resident. State health officials said Tuesday night that the man was in his 90s. Officials also reported that the total number of confirmed Nebraska cases had risen to 177. Two men charged in connection with a Furness County sex trafficking investigation appeared in Furness County Court Monday. County Judge Timothy Hoft conducted separate preliminary hearings for 37-year-old Terry Smith Jr. and 40-year-old Bucky Weaver. Smith is charged with first-degree sexual assault of a child and sex trafficking of a minor. He has been released after bond of 10% of $500,000 was posted for him. Bucky Weaver is charged with first-degree sexual assault of a child. He has been released on 10% of $250,000 bond. Court records outlining the cases against the men have all been sealed. Both men waived the preliminary hearings, and the judge bound their cases over to Furness County District Court. Arraignment dates in District Court were not immediately set. Bonds for both men were continued through Weaver's attorney had sought a lower bond and removal of a restriction that he had no contact with minors other than his own children. The judge denied both requests. The Furness County Sheriff's Office is conducting the investigation with assistance from the Nebraska State Patrol, Furness County Attorney's Office, and the Nebraska Attorney General's Office. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson. Protect yourself and others from COVID-19. Nebraskans can help protect themselves from the coronavirus and other respiratory infections by staying home if you are sick and avoiding close contact with those who are sick. Washing hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. If soap and water aren't available, use an alcohol-based sanitizer. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth with unwashed hands. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects and surfaces. For more information, visit krvn.com. We've entered a new reality across the United States. It's a reality where students are not able to attend classes, employees aren't allowed to be in the office, and prospective college students interested in visiting a campus aren't able to do so, at least in a traditional sense. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskett reporting. Amid the challenges, the University of Nebraska-Lincoln and the College of Agricultural Sciences and Natural Resources is adapting. Students interested in attending UNL are now able to visit the campus in a virtual setting. Mike Beam is the Vice Chancellor of the Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources. Instead of welcoming our prospective students and their families uh, face-to-face, which you know because you're, you're an alum, is a hallmark of Kasner, we've moved to an online uh, platform. The first is there's an opportunity for students and their families to join online information sessions. These are offered every day at 11 o'clock a.m. Central Time, and you can register for them online at admissions.unl.edu. Let me say that again, admissions.unl.edu if you're interested in doing an information session with the University of Nebraska admissions team. They happen every day at 11 o'clock. Prospective students and family members then will be able to interact with our CASNER team to share with students how they can become someone who makes a difference in this changing dynamic world that we live in. Um, Tiffany Hang Moss, the Dean of the College of Agricultural Sciences and Natural Resources, talks really all the time about looking for students that create solutions that are going to be developing the innovations and making discoveries that drive the global food system, our natural resources, our, the resilience of our rural and urban communities. We're looking for those students, and I guess 
I'm here this morning to say, listen, we are calling all difference makers, all problem solvers. If your listeners know of one, please send them to Kasner, send them our way. We're looking forward to engaging them. So, Mike, tell us more about the format of these online sessions. How will the students be able to discover East Campus in a virtual setting? Yep, so students who join the online session, the first tier, as I mentioned, from Nebraska UNL admissions, they'll get the big picture from those folks. Then then they get to pick their chosen college. So Kasner, of course, that's what we're we're banking on. And then they'll transition to actually visit with program leaders and advisors within the college. So we have in Kasner 31 different programs to choose from, and we have um, – faculty, advisors, uh, standing by students to engage one-on-one with, uh, with our students or prospective students and their families to sit and have a dialogue about what, what's go, what goes on in those programs, the ins and outs of those programs. And then to wrap up the virtual session, students will take a virtual tour of campus hosted by our Kasner student ambassadors. Now, it's not, not the real deal, but it's the uh, next best thing. And uh, I should have asked Tiffany. I'm assuming there's a Dairy Store ice cream coupon in there <laughs> for after this COVID storm. But, um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's what it'll look like, Bryce, for those who are willing to uh, engage us in this way. Everyone is having to adapt in some unique ways as we all go through this pandemic together. It sounds like IANR and the staff within Kasner is uh, doing just that. Mike, want to throw a question at you. We were talking about the virtual tours of East Campus, and I'm going to let you pick two spots. If you were to give one of those tours, whether it was virtually or in person, what are the two spots or two uh, your two picks of places someone has to see when touring uh, the East Campus? Wow. Are we talking about prospective students, or are we talking about just anybody coming oh, to campus? Oh, uh, anybody coming to campus. You tell me. <laughs> anybody. All right, I'm going to go wild on this one. So the <laughs> first one that comes to mind is the Fat Diagnostic Center. This is a state-of-the-art facility that handles some 36,000 poultry samples, uh, almost 250,000 other samples. Much of those are related to Nebraska's beef industry. Just a fascinating place to um, sample sample uh, tissues related to the health of of the beef state, uh, beef state's livestock and poultry flocks. It's fascinating. Um, that's worth the tour. And then I'll pivot over to the other side of campus, and I'll I'll go to the Larson Tractor uh, Museum and uh, the Tractor Test Lab. It's a fantastic facility uh, for those who like mechanical things. Who, who like history? It's a unique place to blend those two. Let me flip the question. Oh what no! Would be the two places that yeah, oh, going to no. make me think about that now. <laughs> I'm going to make you think for a second. Yeah. Well, you took one of mine. I, I was going to say the uh, the tractor test lab is one of the most unique spots on campus that uh, is yeah. kind of a hidden gem. Not many people. I it think sure a lot is. of people see it, but they don't know what it is. Serves a pretty important uh, role for uh, tractor testing across the United States. Yep, critical, yeah. The other one I would say, and this is just because I have not seen it yet, and maybe we've got to wait a couple more months, but uh, I know there's a lot of renovations going on in the East Campus Union, and and oh, yeah. uh, it's going to look a lot different from the time when I, yeah. when I was in school just a few years ago. And uh, So hopefully uh, when that gets opened up, I'll be able to come visit that. And I know a lot of people are excited about that as well. Yeah, there's so many gems. The Maxwell Arboretum, of course, to give a shout-out there. That's just fantastic. There's a... 
amazing courtyard designed by our agronomy and horticulture students in the landscape program. There is no shortage. There are no shortage of cool places on East Campus to go and explore. And to explore some of those locations at a virtual setting, simply head over to kasner.unl.edu. I'm Bryce Duskit reporting on the Rural Radio Network. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are sinking again on Wall Street as more signs pile up of the economic and physical pain being caused by the coronavirus outbreak. The S&P 500 dropped 3% in early trading after President Donald Trump warned the country to brace for the roughest two or three weeks we've ever had in our country. The selling has been widespread with all 11 sectors that make up the S&P 500 down. A private survey finds that U.S. companies shed 27,000 jobs in March. Payroll processor ADP says small businesses took the biggest hit, losing 90,000 jobs, while medium-sized and large companies still added workers. The figures are the first monthly job losses reported by ADP since Hurricanes Harvey and Irma slammed Texas and much of the southeast in September 2017. Spending on construction projects fell 1.3% in February, with housing and non-residential construction both showing weakness even before the coronavirus struck with force in the United States. The Commerce Department says the February decline followed a 2.8% rise in construction in January. American manufacturing slid in March, dragged down by economic fallout from the coronavirus outbreak. The Institute for Supply Management and Association of Purchasing Managers reports that its manufacturing index fell to 49.1 last month after registering 50.1 in February. It's the first of the month, and rent is due for millions of Americans for the first time since the coronavirus outbreak turned the economy upside down. Most states and local governments have stopped evictions to give time for unemployment benefits and federal stimulus checks to arrive, but there is still plenty of worry that even if April's payment is delayed, the rent will still come due before many industries are up and running again. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Rogan. One port changing up operations. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Earlier today, an email went out from the Georgia Port Authority saying they are extending Saturday gate closures through the month of April. I talked with Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics, about what that means for market trade. Yeah, I mean, there's no question that the transportation and supply chain uh, globally is, is under an immense amount of pressure. I would probably put them maybe second only to the healthcare profession at this point, Susan, in terms of the likelihood of getting and contracting COVID-19 because of the people they come into contact with and also the importance to our global economy because of the interconnectedness of the global supply chain. Something I'm working on on a special report that is multifaceted is about the not just knockoff effects of COVID-19 on the loss of meat demand or a loss of uh, feeding demand in case the disease gets worse and worse in terms of death toll and in terms of economic decay or demand destruction if it goes on too long. But what does the global supply chain do in the midst of it and how does it come out of it? I'll give you an example of what I'm looking at other than the the Georgia port that you had uh, looked at and talked about 
um, the Panama Canal Authority, which is something I've been really wanting to keep track of with the, obviously with the U.S. Gulf and the Pacific Northwest, but the canal is pretty much operating at a third of the capacity in terms of staff. Last report from Bloomberg is that they were operating with a staff of 3,600 versus a normal staff of 9,000, uh, all because of COVID. Yes, maybe some of this is due to a lack of demand, and they can afford to let some people uh, have furlough or take a two-week vacation or extend a two-week vacation, but it's also probably because they don't want to have happen uh, anything that close to anything that's happened, in, like on the U.S. carrier uh, Theodore Roosevelt, uh, with with the COVID hitting and then being in confined quarters or a, a cruise ship, like we've seen a couple instances there. Well, it has definitely put us in interesting times. And and earlier in the week, I had seen some readings that um, in South America, they're talking about possible port closures because of their concerns of COVID-19, which makes me wonder if that would possibly push some export purchases towards the U.S. I think that's exactly right. And I think that's why the cash market and the energy markets are the two major features to this trade uh, as we go into the planting season here in the northern hemisphere i throw one more out to you and that is the ukraine and and in the russian baltic sea area when i saw earlier in the week or late last week that russia was looking at potentially uh shutting down or limiting in terms of a quota how much uh, grain they would export out of their ports uh it was not i don't think just because of covid and higher food prices and a run on grocery stores i think it's also because uh if it is uh, not being contained, then it will spread. In these seaport regions, it will spread even faster. And we saw that back during the plague of the 1300s. We saw that during the Spanish flu of about 100 years ago. Anywhere there's a concentration and a different type of culture mixing, that's more likely to be an area where you're going to find a higher concentration of a, uh, of, a, of a plague or an epidemic that turns into a pandemic. And so, sure enough, when the Russians went ahead and limited their exports, um, it wasn't too far after, long after that that the Ukrainians also started talking about doing the exact same thing. We don't have hard numbers in either of those two cases. Those comments with Mike Zuzalo. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Network. I'm talking now with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And John, risk off across the entire market complex. But looking here at the corn, it held that double bottom low at 333.5. So are we maybe seeing a little bit of trying to find a bottom on this? <laughs> I hope so. Boy, I tell you what. I think we're still dealing with the energy markets right now. You know, more and more collapsing uh, infrastructure here uh, stateside with the uh, ethanol business going out under. And then, you know, in other foreign countries, you're seeing the same thing where stay-at-home orders uh, are just simply crippling activity. So it's straight risk off to start the week uh, or start the month, rather. I would imagine that we're higher than here come the end of the month in a lot of these markets. But uh, right now, with the attitude that we're, you know, essentially got another month of just sitting around, um, nobody is in a, in a hurry to buy anything. I think the most interesting trade right now exists in the foreign currency market, specifically in Russia and in Brazil. Um, you know, I think that you're, you could be looking at economic collapse in those countries here before too long, which might be bullish of grains, given that we compete with them. So uh, Brazil's currency is simply running away from them, and they don't really have any other way to control it. At some point, you'll see producers stop selling because they're, they don't want to get any currency uh, exposure. So 
that's kind of the hope here in the near term. I think with with wheat, there's a bullish story here with weather and the fact that Russia could shut down some quota markets. But um, watching cotton fall another five percent to open the month certainly isn't making me happy uh, as far as uh, the, the forward outlook here. That maybe you know maybe price doesn't really matter. Maybe it's just simply risk off, and this stuff needs to be free. I, I really. I shudder to think how low we can go here with crude oil options trading, you know, three or four dollar puts are trading right now, um, which tells me there's some, some appetite for more downside. You know, you're talking about these outside market currencies like Brazil. Given that they're slightly different than the U.S., could we possibly see it where Brazil plants less acres just because their farmers, A, don't have access to capital or something like that? Yeah, I mean, that would be, that's the long-term story. So how does this change? And this is a little bit back to where we were in 2008, just on the opposite side of it, where the, the U.S. dollar was the one getting pummeled and everybody else's currencies were strong and they weren't planning a whole lot. Now the opposite is happening. So, you know, I think the planning reports yesterday are taking its toll in the deferred markets. I think short-term we probably have found some levels where I don't think a lot of folks want to take risk given we're record short. But, um, you know, the story we're going to see if we get bearish before it gets better, but I think we're seeing the price action ahead of that uh, obviously reflect. Again, we're talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. You can learn more at their website, danielzagmarketing.com. Again, danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, trading futures and options involves risk of loss that may not be suitable for all investors. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Divinity Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Davini deal. 